Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll be having a look at some of our Harvard Business Review tips. We're also talking with Christina Sikiotis about the advantage of collaboration in your organisation. But right now, we're going to pop over to Hunter Mediation Service, have a chat with John Woodward. Good afternoon, John. Hello, Julian. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you once again for joining us. That's, that's, uh, you're welcome. So, so we're going to talk about personal protection, keeping your financial affairs separate from your business. What does that yeah. really mean? Well, um, really, um, I think most business operators these days recognise the wisdom of carrying on their businesses through some form of structured legal entity. Um, you know, even sole traders... Uh, set up trusts with the advice of their accountants and legal people. Um, other people use corporate vehicles of some kind, often, um, uh, you know, companies, as a measure to minimise their tax liability. But what, what they sometimes overlook is that um, there are sound legal reasons for structuring their affairs in that way and, and that um, those reasons are important um, in order and in order to give effect to that, it's necessary to make sure that they keep the, the business as a separate legal entity, a separate legal person, separate from um, their own personal financial arrangements and and, uh, and so on. So let's assume that most people have those arrangements in place. What else do they need to do? Well, look, I think um, the 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 primary. Um, responsibility is that they need to uh, conduct their business arrangements in a way that reflects uh, what they've set up. Uh, what I mean by that is that um, it's, um, you set up a, a company or a trust or some other form of entity uh, which in law is a separate person. Um, you know, that entity's got the rights, uh, it has legal rights and obligations, it receives income, uh, pays tax, trades, has a credit card, it can even be prosecuted and fined and has a separate right to appear in court and be represented separately by different legal advisors. So it's important that um, the directors who are the guiding minds of the company and operate its um, affairs, direct its, um, you know, what it does, make decisions for the company, treat it as a separate person separately from themselves. So making decisions on its behalf that are in the best interest of the company and its creditors um, rather than um, decisions which might be in their own self-interest. So, for example, they, they shouldn't use the company's credit card to pay for their own personal expenses any more than they would use anyone else's credit card hmm. um, to pay for those expenses. It's keeping things completely separate. Just while we're talking about legal entities, um, yeah. it's important, I think, to understand that um, the sole trader is the person, that that person is the legal entity. In the case of a partnership, a partnership's not a legal entity, is it? It is the two people individually. Um, the, a partnership is, is, uh, doesn't have a separate legal entity, but mm. uh, under the Partnership Act, all of the partners are jointly and severally responsible for the acts of any of them within the partnership business yeah 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 okay. so if you've got a partner and and one partner does something wrong then all of the partners are accountable for that wrong but as, they actually knew about it as yeah, individuals right. yep yeah 
Okay, so why does it make a difference if, for example, it's a company with only one director and a shareholder? Isn't that just the same as a sole trader? Well, no, not at all. <clears throat> if you set up a company um, that, that is, a, it, it has a separate legal personality with all of the rights and responsibilities attaching to, a, you know, a corporate citizen. So, <clears throat> if, for example, um, a single uh, director shareholder company gets into financial difficulty and is wound up in insolvency. The liquidator of the insolvent company can can take its books and records and it can sue anyone, including that director, for any money which might be found to be due to the company, as opposed to um, the director. So, for example, if if um, that director's been taking money out of the company, either by way of a director's loan or just simply using the company's credit card to pay for his holidays and personal expenses, then he's liable to repay um, that money to the company. It, you know, if it becomes insolvent, the liquidator will insist on it. And if it doesn't become insolvent, the taxman finds out about it, well, um, the taxman will insist on it. So you really do, it really is important to keep your company um, as a separate separate individual so so in reality how much of a problem is this really well look um just to give you some indication of this um i think in in my career as a as a litigation solicitor um spanning over probably 30 years um i would have to say that hardly a week passed when i didn't hear somebody say to me you know i did this or i did that when the truth is that they meant the company did it now, unfortunately, it's a mindset that small, particularly small, really small business operators, you know, um, you know, mum and dad type um, director shareholder companies, mm -hmm. uh, tradespeople and so on. Um, and they don't, they just don't seem to get it that um, the company is a separate entity. And if you don't treat it carefully and treat it separately from your own, uh, from your own personal finances, you're an, you might be an employee of a company, but you're not the company. Mm. Um, if you don't, treat those matters carefully then then you're heading for a personal disaster which defeats the whole purpose of having the structure in the first place so, so just summing up summing up the, the take home for all this um the take home really is you you need to keep your business above board you know you 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 treat your business as any other entity um you borrow from the bank not from your own company treat all of your transactions at arm's length even those you know with your own uh trading entity Mm. I th and I think that, you know, you won't go too far wrong if you do that. And I think also from an accounting point of view, even a sole trader should be doing that too, keeping their I business think, well, that's, affairs that's, that's, and their personal ones separate. Right. Well, certainly the financial side of it anyway. That's right, absolutely. Great, absolutely. well, thank, thanks very much for your time, uh, John. All right, Julian, thank you, for, thank you very much. We'll have a chat with you again another time. I hope so, look forward to it. Thank Bye you. Bye-bye. Bye. John Woodward there from the Hunter Mediation Services. Yeah, it's it's very important that we really understand legal entities. The, the sole trader is a different entity and the partnership is a different entity to a company structure. But in all cases, it's a good idea to keep your business and personal things separated. Time to pop over to Christina Sikiotis. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you today? I'm very well. Yourself? I'm very well, and I'm ab absolutely happy that the sun's come out because it means my washing might dry. <laughs> okay, well, it's at least it's a bit uh, cooler these days and not that hot, uh, humid weather we've been having. That's right, it's been dreadful. <laughs> so so we're going to talk about the advantages of co collaboration. 
Absolutely. There's lots of collaboration happening around town at the moment. Um, you know, the university, the TAFE, the council um, and several other organisations are all talking about how, how they can best make use of some empty spaces in town um, with the university moving in and some collaborative hub spaces uh, and, you know, all the talk with the innovation um, centres and everything else. So that, that's been quite a good collaborative effort that's been going on led by, um, led by council at the moment. So very excited to have lots of players in that space sitting around the table talking to each other. Um, but it doesn't even have to happen. Collaboration doesn't have to happen on those larger scales. Uh, last night there was a, a workshop. There were 40 people in attendance. It was based all around collaboration. Um, and at the, one of the ideas that came out of it that wouldn't have happened had um, this group of people not been together was a travelling tour that went into artists' homes where they had a room potentially that was set up or a studio that was set up to display their art um, with a running commentary on the way. And they were talking about using just cars, pooling people in cars that may want to go to these artists' houses. So just small ideas that are very, very workable, very functionable, and they're the kinds of things that happen when people get together and they talk. There's also, like, worldwide collaborations that are really good to give examples of. So, for example, Google Loon, we've talked about the the internet, you know, everybody Mm. trying to connect the internet, make it free around the world, but it's a great collaboration between Google and Singularity University who bring fresh young minds in to help make these projects happen, and that's how Google Loon... Um, is, is partly operating. And there's a, there's a few key players that are happening in that space as well. Um, another one that's, that's really quite exciting is a Global Goals Alliance. And it's a not-for-profit um, collaboration between people like Branson, Elizabeth Gilbert, Mahala, Meryl Street, Kate Blanchett, even One Direction. You know, that should make my daughter very happy. Um, <laughs> but they're, they're talking about pushing out into, into a global arena things like you know, everybody notice what's happening with poverty. Everybody notice what's happening with education. Take on a cause and in your own small way, help that. So this worldwide collaboration is having, you know, ripple effects on, on small communities. Fashion collaborations are amazing. Stella McCartney and, and Target sort of got together and, you know, did a did a, um, a collaborative thing where she produced a range that was solely for that organisation, probably shouldn't have mentioned the organisation, sorry. Um, Morrissey did another one, you know, with a with a, another chain. Mm. But these kind of collaborations open up scope for people who otherwise may not have had access to, to um, goods and services. But I'd, I'd really like so, to give people an idea of what they could do within their own organisation. So just before you do, that, those 40 yep. people at the workshop last night, yep. were they all artists or they were from all walks of life or different businesses? They were from the creative industry. Yeah. So they weren't all, okay. all um, ceramicists, they weren't all fine artists. We had some jewellery people there, we had some musicians there, we had some artists there, we had some yeah. um, people that were into doing markets. So no, they weren't all. they weren't all from the same... Um, particular industry, but they were from the creative industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, I mean, that was one of the ideas. They came up by the time we left last night. There were about twenty very real, very solid ideas mm. that um, had actions next to them to take them, you know, forward. And they weren't overly expensive ideas either. You don't need a collaboration; doesn't need to be a high budget thing. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. You were going to say? That's okay. So a couple of small exercises that people could do even within their own organisations. So, you know, we talk a lot about um, layered thinking and the design thinking principles where you bring different people from um, different areas into the room. So one 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 thing that actually worked really well at one point in time was 
um, we asked for people from different departments to be included uh, in, in a particular workshop. And we asked them then to um, collaborate on something that would be of benefit to A, the organisation and B, the community. So that was the criteria. We had people come up with things like um, media events. They came up with events for staff. They came up with, um, with philanthropic events where they could actually go and volunteer events where they could go into the community and help other people within their local community. So, and it was... The accounting department was talking to the advertising department, was talking to the sales department, was talking to the R&D department. And it was people from all the different areas that collaborated that normally don't even talk to each other um, that became... The good thing about that too was that everybody then started finding out what other people within organisations do. So was it a larger organisation or a large organisation? it had about 200 people within yeah, the organisation, yeah, yeah. so it wasn't a huge, you know, it wasn't a 1,000, no. 2,000 um, government-type organisation. It was a, a smaller company. Uh, they had about 200 people within that company. But we, we managed to bring people from the different areas together, which in itself was quite enlightening for the people in the... Because you often don't think about what the other people that you work with have to do. Mm. You know, and, and sometimes that can fester a real real um, collegiate attitude uh, and what comes off the back of that is increased productivity because everybody considers everybody else. Mm, excellent. Yeah, and there was just one other really small example that I want to give you. We did this exercise on a bus and we made the people that were sitting next to each other um, come up with a collaboration and we timed them. So we gave them three minutes. So within three minutes, they had to come up with a collaboration and I got an email a week later um, from one of the one of the people on the bus, and they said, "We've already done it. We've, we've completed the task that you set us." And it wasn't it, like one of the criteria wasn't to go out there and actually do it. Um, but what they had done was they had so there was a, a person from um, a water environmental area, and there was a person from a childcare centre, and they had managed to collaborate on the childcare people wanted wanted the guys to come in and talk to the um, talk to the staff and the young children about how to conserve water and the people from the water area wanted to come and engage what was happening within that area so that they could then make some recommendations to, for people to save water. And that was a few years ago and it worked really well and it turned into a program that ended up travelling around to some to various preschools. So that was a you know, that was a, a great thing from a small conversation. It's amazing what happens from small conversations. And we've talked about that before, the importance of networking uh, both online and offline to uh, get thoughts and ideas flowing. That's right. You know, the, the things that happen in a conversation, the yeah. things that happen when there's a diverse group of people, remarkable. Exactly. Well, thanks very much for your time. We'll have a chat with you again next week. Look forward to it. Have a great week. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Christine Sikiotis there. What a fantastic idea, collaboration. It's amazing when you bring a group of people together, even 40 sometimes, some of those ideas can flow and you never know where they're going to lead. Time for a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips and they do relate a little bit to what we were just talking about in our, in our innovation segment. The first one is thoughtful ways to thank people in your network. We've just been talking about networking. So, showing gratitude to people in your personal network can be pretty easy and fun. An old-fashioned handwritten thank you note on a nice piece of paper still goes a long way. Just be sure to include sincere appreciation for something something personal and specific. 
sending a small gift that really means something to the other person can be even more memorable. And don't forget to pick up the phone on a regular basis. Keep a list of people whom you want to check in with periodically. When you have a few minutes, call the next person on the list. Even leaving a voicemail provides an opportunity to say thanks, to tell someone you're thinking of them and to offer a little encouragement. Small, regular practices of gratitude like this can make all the difference in important relationships. So keeping in touch there can be very important. Somebody you've just met at a conference, something like that. And what about this one? Give people more uh, time and space to be more creative. Creativity takes time, requiring people to struggle down several blind alleys before finding the right solution. That's why a lot of creative activity may look suspiciously like loafing around until a breakthrough happens. But if an organisation truly wants creativity, it has to start by hiring more people than it needs to complete the tasks required for the company to stay afloat. Managers also need to provide some flexibility for employees to alter their schedules when an interesting idea begins to develop. And they need to reward employees for engaging in tasks that ultimately lead to creative solutions, like learning new things, developing new skills, having a wide range uh, conversation with colleagues and trying out ideas that don't work. Probably one of the examples that really fits into that is the 3M company that certainly a lot of their solutions, like the post-it note, um, have come from people being creative and just letting their minds wander. And the last one, keep everyone on task after your next meeting. To make sure productivity doesn't slow down after you walk out of a meeting, send out clear and concise meeting notes within 24 hours and follow up with the commitments made. These notes should state each topic you discussed, the key takeaway and a list of specific actions along with who will do them and when. Use the notes to keep everyone on track until you meet again. Assign someone to check in with the group at appropriate intervals to ensure that the commitments are being kept as promised or re-evaluated if something unexpected comes up. So some useful little tips there from Harvard Business Review and, of course, things to keep you more productive. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at uh, the importance of keeping your business and personal uh, things separated, particularly if you're a proprietary limited company, and, of course, the advantages of taking, uh, of making collaboration within your company or with outside your company. In a moment, Glenn Morrow will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. And next week, we'll have our Minute on Innovation with Christina, some other business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Francis Bacon once said, a wise man will make more opportunities than he finds.